this morning. We're in Luke chapter 6. We're going to pick up with verse 27 and read verses 27 through 36, starting with verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good, do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those to whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Jesus opens this teaching, this portion of his teaching, he's already been teaching here, but he opens this portion of his teaching saying this, you who hear, will you hear, will you hear, really hear what the Lord is saying? And will we collectively listen? Will we hear it and listen? Will we actually receive it? Will we apply, obey, and follow the Lord's commands? And is it really possible to put these commands into practice in our lives? Did you hear what Jesus said? Is it really possible to do this? I mean, these commands are completely foreign to our nature. Are they just completely foreign to mine? I mean, in the nation of road rage, I know they're not foreign to just mine, right? They go against every natural inclination in us. I said natural inclination in us. And yet, Jesus gives no qualifiers, no exemptions. No, but if this happens, you have every right. He simply says, this is how I want you to live and represent me in the world. And let me say this, without God's help, we will fail miserably walking in this kind of love. Amen? Without God's help, we are going to fail miserably walking in this kind of love. We've got no chance without his hand upon us, do we? This definition of love is foreign to the world, and it's foreign to our flesh. You can better believe that Jesus' hearers, when they heard this, it didn't settle well with everybody. But if you're born again, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, if you have been Renewed by God, the Holy Spirit has come in and abides in you. If you're born again, you have God's help. Isn't that great to know? 
we have his help. We don't have to wonder if we have his help. We know we have his help. We've been given his very own spirit living inside of us. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, back in Genesis 1, God breathed life into man. But we now, when we've been born a second time, everyone's been born once, but not everyone's been born twice. But when we're born anew, God actually puts the same spirit that actually spoke stars into existence into us. Power. We've been given his own spirit living inside of us, the same spirit of the risen Christ. See, he's not left us without the grace and power to live this out. Jesus is never going to tell us something that he himself won't give us the grace to move forward in it. Many of you know Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but it bears here and again. But the fruit of the what? Spirit. Not the fruit of yourself. Not the fruit of knowing things, not the fruit of reading the Bible, not the fruit of trying really hard, not the fruit of this time I'm going to make it work. The fruit of the Spirit is love. First word, love. And Jesus' first words, love. After he says, you who hear, love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and joy great. Peace. Who doesn't want peace? Long-suffering. Oh, now that I don't necessarily want a whole lot of. Long-suffering. Kindness. Okay, I'm okay with that. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Not everybody likes to do that one. Self-control. Fruit of the Spirit. It's not natural. It comes from God. It comes from His heart into us. From the Holy Spirit comes the help to obey Christ's commands. And through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, we'll see increasing victory and increasing fruit. Now that's good to know because nobody sees as much fruit from the day they're saved as they want to see. Nobody. The most righteous person you've ever met is nowhere near where they would like to be. Those of you that are older, you know this by now, right? You know it yourself looking in the mirror. But what you can say, what the faithful saints of old, Damian, Pastor Damian Kyle from Modesto, uh, did he not preach a couple of them just unbelievable uh, anointed messages? But when you look at Hebrews chapter 11 and you look at Hebrews chapter 12, the saints that have gone before us that have learned to walk in this kind of love will tell you it didn't happen 100% overnight, but it did continue to grow in my life, especially through the work and the Spirit of God. And we'll see an increasing victory, an increasing fruit that will continually expand in our walk as we yield to the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is first saying, this is the way I want you to represent me in the world. But similarly, when Jesus gives these commands that look like an incredibly high wall. It's similarly, when God gave the Ten Commandments, it was immediately to make everyone understand, you have no chance of doing these without my help. So don't walk away. Press in. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled our time in God's Word this morning, Led by Love. Led by Love. We'll look briefly at three things that I believe... uh, Jesus 
makes clear in the text three things, our hearts, our hands, our honor. Our hearts, our hands, and our honor. Let's look at our hearts here. Jesus starts with uh, verses 27 and 28. He says, but I say to you who hear, and look at the next couple of things here. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. When I look at what he initially starts out with, this is all heart level. This is all heart level stuff. This is hearing what Jesus is saying, not only hearing it, but digesting it, receiving it, and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to set my heart in the direction of being a person that loves anybody. I mean, you're setting the course. Now, if you have the Holy Spirit, you can actually set the course, and God will actually start to move you to it. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you'll be off the horse immediately. And eventually, you just give up. But if you have the Holy Spirit, it's setting the heart. Jesus tells us, love your enemies, do good, bless, and pray. All of these um, essentially start, the heart and the mind are connected, right? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength. They're connected. So what we think and what's in our heart, they're connected to each other. We have to first set the course. Say, Lord, this is a difficult thing, but I set my heart to love anybody, everybody. People that don't like me, people that spitefully use me, people that have said things that are not true about me, uh, a relative that's holding a grudge. I mean, you've seen these kind of things over the years, right? But you're going to say, Lord, this is your heart, and therefore I'm choosing to walk that way. Now, Jesus speaks here specifically of enemies. Love your enemies. Some of you may not currently have in your life what you would consider an enemy. Maybe you don't have anyone in your life that's actively against you. You don't have anyone in your life that's opposing you. You don't have anyone in your life that's coming against you at the moment. For many of our brothers and sisters in country and other countries, this is the norm for them. They live with enemies. Many, many of our brothers and sisters, whether they're from uh, Muslim families, whether they're from devout Jewish families, whether they're from uh, Hindu families or Buddhist families, or they're in a communist nation, if they say, yes, I will ask the Lord to be a lot more, they to be their Lord and Savior, they know that they'll have enemies immediately. If they didn't before, they will then. So many of our brothers and sisters, this is the norm. Jesus is preparing many of his disciples. They would live with this, and almost all of them would die martyr's death. They would come to know this kind of hatred, real enemies, Roman government, whether it was be the religious establishment, they would run into this type of opposition. But many of us don't have that, or you don't even have someone currently opposing you, coming against you, telling lies about you. Maybe right now it's going really well. For many of our brothers and sisters, that's not the case. And by the way, we should be praying for our brothers and sisters who are enduring this kind of hatred. Amen? We need to be praying for Pastor Saeed, Brother Gal, Brother Bay, Sister Asia, Brother Irani, our brothers and sisters in Syria, Egypt, 
North Korea, Indonesia, around the world. We need to be praying for them every day. Because amazingly enough, many of them pray for the American church. Isn't that awesome? They pray for this church, not Calvary Chapel Richmond, some do, but the church in America. We need to be praying for them. They're going through this kind of opposition. And one of their main prayers is that they would be able to love those that are coming against them. Not so much that they would be delivered from it, but they would be able to love them the way Jesus loved his enemies. Remember Jesus on the cross, you know, don't lay this Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That kind of love. But this text also applies very well to people that you know have, maybe they're not opposed to you, maybe they don't hate you. This text also applies to people that you know just have a disdain for your faith. Do you ever sense that? I sense it more than regularly, you know? where you just kind of recognize, I mean, you could do really nice things for them. You try and convince them you're cool and you're fun and you like sports like they like sports and, and you, uh, you put your pants on one leg at a time like they do and you try and convince them that, hey, I, I, I'm really fun to be around. But you can tell that something's not clicking because you have the Spirit of God and they so far are still resisting God. I like my, my messianic brother, Dr. Michael Hertz, calls them pre-believers. He says they're already coming home, but they don't know it yet. Which is a great attitude to have because you'll start to treat them differently. And where does it start? In the heart and the mind. If it doesn't start there, it won't start anywhere else. It has to start in saying, Lord, I look at them the way you look at them. But you may have those people that you run into. You can tell they have a disdain for your faith. They have some pleasantries and some niceties, but you can tell that they really have set their watch. They're hoping that you and them are apart within five minutes so they can get back to whatever else they were doing. The snide remarks or the cold shoulder, these kind of things you can experience. But, the, but you, that's still not the kind of... You wouldn't call that person your enemy. They just have a disdain or, you know, I'd, I'd rather kind of move, move beyond you, but that's not persecution. But you can tell they're not really, really wanting to be around you. You also, this also applies, this, this text to me can also apply to those that just annoy you. Maybe I annoy you, right? Uh, may, those that annoy you. Those that rub you the wrong way. This can actually be family members, neighbors, co-workers, those that just, the list is endless, those that kind of rub you the wrong way. Invariably, we also rub other people the wrong way, but nevertheless, there's uh, maybe the one at work that always seeks to get credit. You ever met this person? They'll take credit even when they didn't do it, if it's good. If it's bad, they're not taking credit for that. They'll apply, they'll assign blame but they also take credit for everything that goes well. And I've seen people really do some devious things around this. I mean, really take, you know, lie and take false credit for things. Maybe you've seen that. Maybe the person that gossips constantly drives you nuts. You have to overhear it. Someone who's just rude or someone who's obnoxious, arrogant, someone who belittles everyone else, usually to make themselves look better. Uh, someone who constantly, you ever have this, uh, I, you know, I worked in the business world for 16 years. 
You ever have the person that constantly flaunts their sin and you have to hear about every weekend detail, whether you want to or not? Because they won't necessarily talk to you, they'll just talk loud enough so everybody can hear it. And they're proud of their sin. All of these things. Or maybe the boss that nobody likes. And you're having a hard time liking as well. All of these things, they can apply. Jesus says, he's talking about enemies, but he just takes the highest possible level of uncomfortability and starts there. Everything underneath it would apply as well, right? Once you go to the highest level, everything else, annoyance, rude, behavior, all that stuff, all applies. But a love for others begins with a resolution of the heart. has to be a resolution of the heart. Say, yes, Lord, I know how you want me to love others, and I'm committed to obedience. But here's where it's great. But God, I'm going to need a lot of help. I'm going to need your help. But if we come humbly, the Lord says, that's all I need to know. If you're committed, I'm committed. You know my life first. I know whom I've committed and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed. It doesn't say I'm able. He is able to keep that which I've committed to him. We make the commitment, say we're going to make a resolution to love this way. God will help us do it. You know, uh, Jesus is going to say later, down in the 45th verse, uh, that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. He also says it in Matthew 12, 35. It's out of the heart that it begins. The heart has to say, yes, Lord, this is difficult, but I choose to love this way. In 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9, it says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. God knows when we're serious in saying, Lord, I want to love like that. I'm committed to loving like that but I know I'm incapable of loving like that. Do you understand that flow? Lord, I want to love like that. I need to love like that. I'm going to try and love like that, but I'm incapable of loving like that. And God says yes to each of those and blesses each of those and says, now because you've set your heart in the right direction, my Holy Spirit is capable, beyond capable, of doing all of that. And when we fall and skin our knees, he moves us back and we start the process all over again. But we don't start back at the end of the line. We've moved forward. That's called maturing in our faith. Every day, every day, we have to recommit to walk in this love being led of the Holy Spirit. It's a recommitment every day. I love what Oswald Chambers said. Oswald Chambers said, the grace you had yesterday will not do for today. The grace you had yesterday will not do for today. Now, the grace that saved you is a once and for all grace. That's different. That's your salvation. That's coming to Christ, the shed blood of Jesus. But the actual walking in the Holy Spirit is a daily thing. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. That's a daily getting back on the altar, a daily re-surrendering to love like this and needing the Lord's help. Say, Lord, I, I know I need to love this way. I want to love this way. I'm incapable. Fill me. Help me. And he really does. And what's amazing is after a while, some of the things that used to bother you no longer bother you anymore. They just don't. And that drives your enemies crazy for a while. Because sometimes they actually like that they can tell that you're bothered by what they say and do. But when you're not bothered by it anymore, it disarms them. It really does. When you're not bothered by their disdain for you or what they've said about you or what they think about you and you can love them back, they don't know how to react. It's like they just got hit with an uppercut. In a good way. They don't know how to react to that. The Lord will give us His power to do this. I'm going to read something to you from, you guys know who Amy Carmichael is. She served in India for years. Uh, I'll read you something that she said. I asked Debbie, who's from India, how to say this word, but I'm sure I'll mess it up anyway. Uh, the verse is 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, the spirit of love. Notice Who's of love? The spirit of love. It's impossible without the Holy Spirit. She says, and Tamil, I get that right? And Tamil, we have a polite word which tells someone who asks for something when we have nothing to give, we have run short of it, called Puchiam. I have no idea if I'm saying that right, but anyway, Puchiam. One day I felt like saying Puchiam about love. I had run short of it. You ever felt that way? I had run short of it, she said. I was at the forest house, and I, was just, I, I had just read a letter which was really hard to answer lovingly. I've received some of those before. And they end with, we're praying for you. Isn't that great? They're the best. But it, she said it was really hard to answer lovingly. I was sitting by the pool at the time, not a swimming pool, it's like a little pond. I was sitting by the pool at the present time and began to watch the water flow down through the deep channel and the worn, smooth rocks above it. There was always an inflow, so there was always an outflow. Never for one minute did the water cease to flow in, and so never for one moment did it cease to flow out. And I knew, of course, that the water had flowed out, that the water had flowed out was the water that had flowed in. The hollow that we call the pool had no water of its own, and yet all the year round there was an overflow. God hath not given you the spirit of fear, but of love. If love flows in, love will flow out. You catch that? If love flows in, love will flow out. Let love flow in. That was the word of the pool. There is no need for any of us to run short of love. We never need to say, Puchiam. If the Holy Spirit, setting the, setting the mind first, is flowing in daily, it will flow out. And the neat thing is, the longer we walk, Lord, the more it will flow out. It will happen. The Lord is faithful to complete what He began. Amen? He'll give us. He's not going to give us commands. As hard as they are, as high as the wall is, He will not give us commands that we cannot, in His power, again, we're incapable of them, in his power, begin to walk in them. 
and see the victory of them and the freedom. Let's look at our hands. Again, it has to start with we set the course, the resolution, say, Lord, I want to walk that way. I need to. I'm committed to, but I can't. I need your help. Well, what happens when we set the mind? Well, the Holy Spirit begins to flow through. And what the Holy Spirit flows through and the heart and mind level will end up manifesting with actual action. You've heard it said before, love is not a word, right? Love is an action. People that say, you know, oh, I love the kids over there. What we do to help them? Nothing. But I sure love them. I love you. Hey, can you help me out? Nope. I don't have any time for you. Love is an action. A husband and wife that say they love each other, but I love you. Do you want to spend time with me? No. I love you. Will you help me make the bed? No, that's your job. Love is an action. But what flows in will flow out. We'll be led by love, but we'll walk in it. 1 John 3.18. I love John's wording here. My little children. This is how sometimes we all are. This is how God looks at us, like a bunch of toddlers. My little children. Let us not love in word and tongue. Talk is cheap. But indeed and truth. Indeed and truth. The truth has to be there, but deed has to be there. Causes us to do something. You moms that love your kids, you don't just love them, you actually make them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You actually help wipe their face. You actually help them do stuff. Dads too. You know, all these things, it's action that love is proved in. But it starts in the mind and the heart. As Bill was talking, it starts by saying, I'll be here for you, and then not only being there, saying that, and actually walking in it. I'll never forget this. I was uh, only saved, probably only saved for a couple of years. And this had such a great impact. Some of you have heard me tell this before, but I'm going to tell it again. Uh, But some of you have never heard it. I had only been saved for a couple of years. I got saved at an altar call at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, 1995. And a couple of years later, um, I was driving, I was listening to a testimony. It had such a great impact on me, and hopefully it will on you. Because I've reverted back to this numerous times. Certain testimonies just resonate for a long time. We heard one from Pastor Damian Kyle. I invariably will share the story of Greg in a few weeks. And I guarantee it'll ha- you'll, you won't forget the story. You'll, you'll remember it the rest of your life. This one, about what Jesus' love looks like, real story, communist China, difficult place to be a Christian. House churches are, are the way that most people meet. They, they, don't, get, they don't get to gather like this, and uh, it, it's, it's difficult to live for the Lord there. But there was one area in communist China where, you know, you ever seen the rice paddy fields? They're tiered. They're tiered like this, and they have, they have little retaining walls at each tier that keeps the water settled so the rice can actually grow there and the, and the shoots come up. Well, this one guy, he had given his life to Christ, and they had a group of elders in the house church, godly men, uh, that, he, that had been discipling him. Well, what was happening to him in the middle of the night, he had his tiers, he had a couple of tiers that, that belonged to him, but the, uh, the, uh, one, of his, one of the guys in the village who was a couple of tiers below, was breaking his wall and letting the water drain. 
because they had to actually carry a lot of buckets of water and they'd use oxen and all this stuff to, to water it. And so this guy was just taking all his hard work, knocking a wall through and uh, knocking a hole and actually filling up his, and he was done within minutes because it was someone else's work filling up his rice paddy. Real situation here. This isn't theoretical. This actually was what this guy was going through. So he comes to the elders of the church, and he's like, I just want to wring his neck. I want to catch him in the act and have him arrested. I want to do this. And, they, and he said to the elders, what should I do? And they said, well, let us pray about it. They took a day or two to pray about it. And they came back and said, here's what the Spirit has told us you should do. You should start your day earlier and water his fields first. He didn't really like that answer, but he started to do it. And it wasn't that long after the guy comes and asks him, why are you doing this? And ultimately, that guy gave his life to Christ too. See, a lot of times, Jesus says, if you'll, if you'll actually just extend the hand, someone who turn, hits you on one cheek, give them the other cheek. Now, that is also going back to Old Testament law where, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and all that kind of mentality. And although that was to be administered not by the individual. That was to be administered by the authorities. It wasn't ever meant that people should take the law into their own hands, but that was to be an authoritative administration. But they had carried that to believe that each individual could live that way. But that's not the heart of God. The heart of God was always mercy, grace, kindness. Proverbs 25, this is in the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22 says this, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. See, a lot of the Pharisees, they had forgotten verses like this. By the way, do you think that the religious Pharisees, the scribes, the Pharisees, do you think that they liked to do nice things for their enemies like the Romans? Mm -mm. Not unless they had some kind of deal with them. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now you might say, good, I, I get to see coals of fire on their head? That sounds good. But really, it's back to what I said earlier. It's disarming them. It changes the paradigm of how that it seems like a wall there. Remember the one guy waters the other guy's field. Instead of there being continued friction, it broke it down. And he said, why? Why are you doing this? This doesn't make sense. Nobody does this. Because I heard that story, I hadn't been saved that long. I was, uh, I was working at that time in, a, in an office, and I had, uh, I had a lady there that did not like my faith at all. She despised, I was a little like, when I first got saved, I would say just about anything to anybody, and, uh, and sometimes not always in the best manner. And, but nevertheless, I mean, I really did try and be a light for the Lord, but she did not like me at all. Her office was next to mine and did not, just did not like me. Uh, and pretty much let me know without just flat out saying it. She put her glasses down like this and look at me, and I knew that uh, she couldn't stand me. And I didn't really like her either. As a, as a believer? Yeah, I mean, really, I didn't really like her either. But the Lord reminded me, and by the way, um, this text, Jesus never says in this text to like them. He says to love them and to go past feelings. Feelings are often irrelevant. You have to throw them aside and say, Lord, I don't, I would pray, I'd talk to God. It's like, Lord, I really don't like her. 
but teach me how to love her. Teach me how to love her. Teach me how to love her. She's saying th- she would always tell the, my boss things that weren't true and just make stuff up. And, and, uh, and I was like, Lord, teach me how. So I would start to do nice things, even though I really didn't like it. You might even feel like you're a hypocrite doing nice things at first. You're not. You're, you're really walking in obedience. Don't feel like, so I'd bring her like a lunch or something. What are you doing this for? What's this all about? But over time, it worked. There was at least peace. She didn't come to Christ, but there was no more. After a while, we could actually have a normal conversation with no friction. Everything was disarmed. You really can, but it starts where? Before I could do that, I had to pray it. And Jesus says that. He says, those who curse you, pray for those. It had to start here before it would then manifest into bringing her something expensive like Taco Bell. Which that's all I could afford at the time anyway. That's something like that. Which I still like, by the way, but that's a different thing altogether. I, don't, I know it's not organic or anything like that, but it still tastes good. But last thing we want to look at, our honor. You know, Jesus said, what credit is? The world, the world can actually, without praying, without setting their heart, the world can be really nice to people who are really nice to them. People that give you a nice paycheck, you can say, thanks. People that do good things for you, you can say, oh, that was great. Jesus said, that's, anyone can do that. Matter of fact, most people would do that. They can be hospitable if you're hospitable, and especially, again, if the things are always working in your favor. But he's like, but not the way that I want you to live when everything's going against you, coming against you, opposing you. That's when I want you to still reach out with my hands of mercy. 34, if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? You know, when you're going to give something, actually give it. No strings attached. Amen? Just give it. If you're still holding on to it, it'll be bitterness anyway. When it's not received, I didn't get a thank you note back. You know, some people think that way. They want to get, and they, they, I better get a thank you note. I won't. I had older relatives in my life like that. Boy, if you missed, the word would come back around, wouldn't it? No thank you note was written. See if I ever send you something again. But you and I, we, we, we want to give with no strings attached. If I, it's under the Lord. Lord, you're giving it because it's going to bless someone. It's going to draw them to the Lord. Our whole calling in life is not to actually acquire things. It is to be a light of Jesus to people who don't know the Lord. They don't know how to love this way. We didn't know how to love this way before we came to Christ. And he goes on to say, He reiterates the same thing in verse 35. Love your enemies. Do good. Lend hoping nothing in for return. Even the person that you know will be ungrateful to it, give it to them anyway. If they don't deserve it, just remember that you didn't deserve salvation. Amen? It's a great... Always look back to the cross. We didn't deserve salvation. Therefore, everything else that we do that people don't deserve still falls well below 
Christ laying down his life, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but laid down his very own life. That's our model. We look to Christ. It's those of us who are born again, the Holy Spirit will remind you to look to Christ. And it's a really healthy thing. He'll give me testimonies like in communist China, that's helpful for me. But at the end of the day, he brings me back to the Lord. And why else is that important? Well, because when we pass from this life, I'm 45, I'm midway to 90, we're going to stand before Jesus someday. Amen? We're going to stand before the Lord. You're not going to stand before the person that despised you or the person that slighted you. You'll stand before the Lord. By the way, they also will stand before the Lord one day, either at the great white throne or the judgment seat of Christ, preferably everyone at the judgment seat of Christ, amen, that, we, that we're around and we have a sphere of influence, but we're going to stand there and, and that that day Jesus will look at us and say, you did well. You followed what I said. And by the way, that coworker came to Christ. That coworker came to church with you. You never thought that coworker would come to church with you, and they did. Isn't that great? You never thought your neighbor would, you know, we've been working on one of our neighbors uh, for like 10 years now. It's making progress. They, they, they haven't come to church here. They just invited us to uh, a place they have on the bay recently. They still haven't come here. But you continue to love, and you continue to reach out. And the Lord says, love your enemies, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High. If we really have the DNA of our Heavenly Father, His sons, we're going to walk like He walked. We're going to love like He loved. It's not going to be natural. It's going to be supernatural. It's going to be the Holy Spirit setting our heart, setting our hands, and then he will be the one that will honor us. We can honor ourselves by getting even. We can honor ourselves by winning the argument. We can honor ourselves by vindicating ourselves. We can honor ourselves by making sure that everyone knows that person is the scum of the earth. We can honor ourselves. We can put others in their place. We can win the argument on the road rage. We can cut them off after they cut us off. We can give them exactly what they deserve. Or, or we can honor Jesus and remember his humiliation and how the Lord exalted him to the right hand of the Father after he humbled himself first. Many of us are not going to see, we actually are holding back certain blessings in our life. We absolutely are because we will not yield to this sometimes. And some of you, God wants to bless you in ways you've never seen before if you would learn to love the person. Maybe it's your very own spouse that you've been holding back on. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone you need to pick up the phone and, and ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's someone that you have a grudge against. Jesus said, until you make things right with your brother, you can leave the gift at the altar. Go make it right. His reward... And his honor is what we seek in our life. Colossians 3.24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. I have a healthy fear of the Lord, but I also have a relationship with the Lord. And I want to live as he lived, but I also want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. How about you? 
A lot of people say this, eh, I don't care as long as I get there and I have a shack in heaven. You will not say that when you meet Jesus face to face. Does everyone agree that you would not actually feel that way when you get there? So if you know it's not true, stop thinking that way. As long as I get a shack in heaven, I can, I, can, I can cuss people out, I can get even, I can do this, but as long as I make it there, but yet is by fire. I think I read that somewhere. As long as I make it through, I'm fine. You will not feel that way when you meet Jesus face to face. You're only going to want to say, Lord, I certainly made a lot of mistakes, but my heart was set in the right direction. Amen? And then... Some of us are going to have a few talents. Some, like the Apostle Paul, are going to have a treasure trove of talents. And yet he's still going to reward those that were faithful. Well done, good and faithful. Not good, I've said it many, not good and perfect servant. doesn't say that because there's no one he could say that to. He says good and faithful servant. You grew in love. You were more loving by the time you were 50 than when you were at 45. You were more loving at the time you were 55 than at 50. You continued to mature in love. You actually were teachable, correctable by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in Revelation 22, 12, And behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. That's either exciting or frightening. Right? But not exciting because we've done so much, but exciting because he's done so much in us. Amen? And he'll continue to do it if we'll set our hearts and we'll set our hands. He will honor us in his timing. Might not be anytime soon. You might still not get rid of the certain problems at work. They might be there for a while. You might have to have a lot of patience, but the Lord will continue to teach us how to love this way. Amen? Let's close in prayer.